Choices. I make choices all day long. It is a regular activity. I appreciate the line in a song by a band named Rush. The song is called Free Will. The line I like is, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. We have a system of thoughts beneath our awareness. It is referred to as our subconscious or unconscious mind. And with this developed system exist preconditioned responses to thousands of contextual situations. There have been times when I am performing some activity, like driving, where my mind goes somewhere thinking about something else. Then after a few minutes, I get back to where I am and what I am doing, wondering what I missed. I may have driven a few miles unconsciously steering my vehicle, keeping the speed limit and staying on the road. I may have missed a turn because I was driving without giving attention to where I was going because my consciousness was elsewhere. This skill of driving can be done unconsciously by those who do it a lot because they have it built into automatic responses. Conscious choices are not existent in this situation. But imagine if you can driving in a city with stoplights that have just changed where green means stop and red means go. Imagine how alert and cautious you would need to be to navigate the lights. You may even drive a lot slower when approaching the lights, perhaps even double checking yourself. This change in the rules with the stoplights example describes what I needed to do when I chose to begin incorporating new godly character into my thoughts and actions. When I woke up in the morning, I had a new system. I was to seek God in my mind and heart, and if I didn't, my day could involve a spiritual accident. Anger, fear, selfish ambition, exploitation, impatience, intolerance, and other forms of spiritual destruction existed within my subconsciousness ready to act. Going by automatic pilot, for me, leads to destruction. God is present. Spiritual activity is happening all the time. God wants my mind to be engaged with God's goodness and righteousness. If I let my mind drift, I will not be active with God and spiritual principles. All day long, as long as my brain is active, I will be choosing either to seek God or not. And if I choose not to seek God, I still have made a choice. And choosing not to seek God can turn into a spiritual accident, creating harm. Deuteronomy 30, 15 and 16. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply and the lord your god will bless you in the land which you go to possesses my choices are limited to options i have chosen to observe in my mornings i choose to do my routine of coffee stretches seeking god attentive to my wife and creating inward authority materials. I limit my options. Exercise, cooking, meetings, and other stuff I like to do can come later. I do not entertain other choices during this time. I am focused and block out other things. 
I choose what options to accept into my agenda. The choice of considering God's interest must always be available to all my options if I am going to make God the most important. When I mentor others, I will often bring up God's interests and discuss spiritual development. I believe if I am to grow with God, I need to look long enough to God's directions to understand how to take action to grow with God. If I am not observing God's directions long enough to get a gist of how to act with God, that's a problem. I need to choose to learn the directions. As I learn the directions, I learn spiritual development options. As I learn these spiritual development options, I can then choose one to test and practice a few times. Then I can learn how to perform the activity better and perhaps see the good in it, which can help motivate me to continue. It's helpful to see the good in following God's instructions to increase my hope and faith in it. I need to choose to seek God in all my activity, choose to practice God's directions, choose to understand how they are good, and choose to repeat this over and over. Please read all of John 15 slowly, thinking how it agrees with Deuteronomy 30. Please also read Ezekiel 18. Then, see the pattern and how they complement each other. Pray for understanding about this information. Do this with others and discuss what you're seeing and what is described. Jesus listens and obeys to God in everything and teaches us to do the same thing. Leviticus 22:29. And when you offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, offer it of your own free will. Living with God is to act with God. And why I choose to act with God is crucial. My reasoning and getting that right will impact my actions and my thankfulness. I was told I had to decide on my own to rely upon and choose God. I had to choose for the right reasons to seek God. If I chose to go through the motions because someone else wanted me to do it, I wouldn't be doing it with the right heart. God wants my everything to be done with love and toward building love. The commandment of God is to love God with my all, all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. If I seek God half-heartedly, I will miss the mark. Remember, sin means to miss the mark. There is a difference between aiming carefully at the mark and missing versus not really trying and missing. This point about giving my all has to do with my effort. It can be difficult for other people to gauge my effort, but if I'm honest, I realize my effort. And other people who are around me all the time can kind of get to know my effort. Perhaps one of the most important choices is my decision on how hard I'm going to try. How much effort am I going to put forward to grow with God? This really is the beginning choice, the choice that underlines all my activity with God, to serve God, to learn about God, and follow God. When it comes to God and the Great Commandment, the question is, am I going to be all in with God? Am I going to choose to be all in with God? If I try to hold on to other things within my mind and heart, I may not be given my all. This cannot be done perfectly. 
I am imperfectly reaching towards perfection with God, but I know whether I'm really trying or not. I know if I'm consciously skipping out on things. I know if I'm not progressing. I know if I'm stagnant and being complacent. These are things to consider. I'm not exactly sure why so much of myself needs to be situated towards God, but if I was to guess, I would think it has something to do with the system of denial. I suppose another factor would be how much it actually takes to create change in a different direction from what I'm used to doing. Once I learn how to do something a certain way, and I practice that for a long period of time, it becomes adapted into my being. And then to make a correction on a continued basis requires retraining. And not just learning something new, but learning while denying something that's old. So when I'm training in correction, I am learning something new, practicing something new, while repressing old behavior that wants to take control. So to continue this, I need my full attention. I need a heavy focus on what it is I'm to do while keeping what I don't want to do out. But I definitely can't do it perfectly. Gradual progression is still progression. When I feel angry, I can choose to forgive. When afraid, I can choose to pray for strength. My mind has expectations about the world that sometimes do not get met. How I choose to do things and react to this will impact my spiritual performance. If I choose to speak out of anger and fear, it will impact the hearts and minds of others and myself. I may hurt someone, and that will have its own spiritual consequences within myself. I continue to prompt myself to slow down. I have discovered the faster I want to do something, the more likely I will make mistakes. The more things I try to do at one time, the more difficult it is to do them cautiously, carefully, and efficiently. The more worries I have, the less confidence I will experience. The first choice to get control over my spiritual being involves slowing down, pausing, waiting for God. Sometimes I even need to stop everything and get with God. I need to get with God because I forgot God. I forgot to keep God and God's interests in my heart and my mind. This is not black and white, nor all or nothing. I believe God's principles, laws, statutes, ways, path, goodness, righteousness, grace, spirit, and truth all point to the same spiritual laws. Love, peace, mercy, forgiveness, and compassion. In order for me to receive these character traits within my heart and mind requires me to bring my being to embrace them as governing principles to my thoughts and actions. And because I subconsciously get caught up with the world's ideas, I can easily get distracted. I need to practice resetting myself with God's interests. I battle pride with the practice of humility. I battle deception with the practice of truth. I battle my misunderstanding with the testing and evaluating myself from my own errors. I need to practice these things. We all want change, but rarely will someone step forward to create it. Many of us get ideas on how things should be and then don't make it happen. I once sat with a pastor trying to explain my ideas and experience, and he told me, You try it. 
I realized he either couldn't understand or wouldn't. Either way, I believe my experience and understanding needed to be shared. I didn't want this responsibility, but the message was to do it. And this message kept coming to me, even in my dreams. I stopped fighting and chose to accept it. I chose to begin reading the Bible for instructions and thinking of ways I could grow more into them. I chose one day at a time to wake up and think about God's ways. I chose to journal. After a while, I chose to research each day. I then chose to begin acting upon the instructions. As I read about love and made a commitment to learn about love, I found I had habits that seemed to sabotage sincerity and love. I used a lot of sarcasm and passive aggressiveness. One year I chose to make a New Year's resolution to reduce my sarcasm. I did not choose to stop it because I knew I would fail at that. Instead, I chose to reduce it. Another year I chose to stop practicing passive aggressiveness. I understand passive aggressiveness as getting even with others non-verbally or doing something to create discomfort in someone to help them understand my limits. If someone does something annoying to me, I would then find something annoying to do to them. I might even glare at them as I do it. Silent treatment is another popular example of passive aggressiveness. There are various ways of avoidance that can be passive aggressive. I chose to apply effort to watch for my passive aggressive thinking and plotting. But then I needed to develop another way of communicating my limits. I chose to speak the truth boldly. I read Philippians 1.14. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having been confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You see, I've had a lot of training with communication. I know how to communicate assertively. I know how to communicate my feelings and my wants and my needs, but I would get all kinds of rationalization and justification of fear and pride, things that would come in to interfere with me speaking about my feelings because I thought that that would be showing weakness. And spiritually speaking, that's not the case. Being bold about reality that exists is to have faith. I just don't see the strength in denying emotional reality. I don't see the strength in living by fear and fear of humility or loss of pride, status, or self-image. I don't see the strength in manipulating others. I don't see the strength in passive-aggressive behavior. And I don't see the strength in avoiding the truth. I believe God's truth is strength. And that's more love, peace, forgiveness, mercy, compassion, truth, and justice. And what I've found the Bible to mean by justice is impartiality and complete objective fairness. And choosing these things can be very uncomfortable. Choosing to reveal the elephant in the room and talk about things nobody wants to talk about can create confrontation. I choose to value confrontation because confrontation can bring good change. Fear of confrontation is governed by fear instead of faith. Any followers of God who avoid confrontation because of fear might want to think about that. I do believe in choosing battles. Again, this is an imperfect 
progression. Choosing to avoid confrontation for strategic purposes is not motivated by fear. Choosing avoiding confrontation is not the problem. The underlying reasons for avoiding the confrontation can be the problem. Fear, pride, vanity, conformity, greed, selfish ambition, and fearing what other people might think. I need to choose on a regular basis what underlying principles I am going to obey. Will I choose to obey fear and vanity or humility and truth? And if I choose not to evaluate myself for these underlying spiritual principles, I still have made a choice. I cannot correctly think or speak the word if I do not read, practice, and reflect upon it. I choose to look daily and learn more about biblical instructions on how to live with God. Since I believed I could help others and was sincerely drawn to God and the Bible, I chose to go to seminary school. After a couple of classes in seminary school, I decided it was not for me. I did not see how it was teaching spiritual things. In my experience, which was very little, it seemed to be heavy on studying historical facts and theories. And because I sensed God leading me to learn more about spiritual things, I followed another path to learn and grow. Since I was saved through trusting God and following spiritual senses, I believed I needed to stay with that idea and chose to follow a path I believed made more sense to learn spiritual things. As I studied and researched the Bible, I discovered many laws and instructions that were contrary to my understanding. Love was a central piece of my spiritual teaching and of the Bible. And yet I was struggling to feel love, see love, participate with love. I reflected and meditated upon these instructions. The way I understood the world did not fit with these instructions. The way I thought and behaved did not fit with these instructions. This was the why on the road for me. I had to make a choice. Was I going to change and begin following God's instructions or not? My spiritual senses are dependent upon my spiritual experience. So I do not rely only on my spiritual senses because I know that would limit me. But when it comes to reading the Bible, what's important to me is how I can participate and grow with God. Read 1 Timothy 3 through 7 and Titus 3 8 through 11. I once took a Myers Briggs personality test and fell into the category of an INTJ. The N stands for intuition. That means I seek to see how things connect and think outside of physical senses. The majority of the population falls into the S or sensing category where they see data. It seems to me that this type of thinking would have a lot of trouble comprehending spiritual things. Character traits, good and evil, these things are invisible and intangible like the Spirit and God. Just as we learn how to discern between positive or mean things, we can discern good and evil. 
but we will need to concern ourselves more with the data in the Bible and see how it relates to real-life practice in order to develop this understanding. And we will also need to choose to set aside social influences that differ from the biblical teachings. I hope to show some ways of collecting new data and new information, stuff that's invisible and intangible, but things you can feel and you can see respond, kind of like temperature, but we don't have a thermometer. But you can feel the heat and you can feel the cold and you can learn to kind of navigate that. My personality is high on analytics. I seek out errors to learn how to make things better. And when I point out how things are wrong, like a mechanic, people resist. I don't like hearing when there is something wrong with my vehicle because I know there is a cost that follows. Yet after the work is done and it drives better, I feel good about it. Similarly, when someone points out an error in my character, attitude, or behavior, I know there will be a cost to correct it. I need to choose how to respond. When I realize the errors within my church experiences, this could be another podcast on its own, so I won't go into details at this time. I sensed there was vast room for improvement. I was only 30 years old, but felt convicted to try to help. I was seeking to find the truth in everything. I chose to skip third-party books about God and spirituality and others' theology because what I read seemed to be missing something. I understood how skipping the middleman helped me avoid errors in learning. I chose to read the Bible and learn the words from the Bible using pattern recognition and concordance searches, comparing them with my spiritual experiences. I chose to do research online to define words separating Hebrew from Greek, looking at specific definitions for each language. I would do this to better understand instructions the Bible lays out on how to live. And when there was a pattern in the Bible that conflicted with my understanding, I chose to test it. And when I tested, I learned. And I learned the Bible's pattern about the topic was more spiritually correct. My faith in these biblical truths has increased through this learning method. When I test biblical truths through experience, I encounter new understanding that changes my soul for the good. If I choose to incorporate that understanding into my being, for more on this, see John Piaget's Assimilation versus Accommodation. It just didn't make sense to me to keep reading the Bible and not do what it says. Although I desperately wanted to grow more intentionally with others, I came to the understanding that others were not ready. I had to choose to either do it alone or miss out. I chose to do it alone. I did connect with some that were willing to grow and rely upon God more, which was absolutely beautiful, but even they decided limits at which they seemed to pursue worldly things instead. I suppose they experience what they want, and then get enough. I relate to that too. I got spiritually connected and sought worldly development. Then I suffered and sought God again. This cycle continued, and who knows, I may do it again. This happens over many years. It is subtle. When I chose to go to school, move to a new state, get married, or get a new job, these things can be life-changing events 
where I choose to dedicate the time I have toward these things instead of spiritual development. I can forget about God. I can leave God behind. I can skip prayer. I can skip meditation. I can skip reading the Bible. I can skip many things that produce spiritual good. Most importantly, I can start being self-seeking, thinking more about me, less about compassion, mercy, and forgiveness, hold grudges, get resentments, get bitterness, and I can develop these things which just create spiritual pain. As a consequence of reducing my application to grow with God, I can lose that valued connection, and sooner or later spiritual consequences come in and can destroy my marriage and my life. You see, with recovery groups, we need to keep going to hear about these relapses and struggles to get reminded and inspired to keep up spiritual conditioning. For an addict, when life feels dull and empty, using becomes more tempting and appealing. Spiritual work and trust in God saves souls and protects from destruction. In my marriage, I made choices all the time. Some days were better than others. I realized my habitual sarcasm and passive-aggressive behavior only encouraged the same in my wife. The scientific method involves testing. The Bible says to test. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 Test all things, hold fast to what is good. I believe those who refuse to test are those who don't want to learn or are afraid of seeing where they are wrong. And I understand my willingness to learn stems from destructive thinking. I do not want to be an example of the second part in Proverbs 12.1. I believe we need more Christians who are willing to own the error in their own ways and choose to improve. Growth means correction, but we must first choose to look and see where we are wrong. If we cannot see our error, we will not seek correction. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. I believe committing to grow with God is a difficult choice and one that could be made without really understanding what it means. We don't have to know why. We just need to choose to trust God and God's ways through new action with God's instructions. When I chose to accept this journey, the 12 steps, I had no idea what I was getting into. I chose to pray and meditate not knowing what I was doing. I chose to confess my sins without understanding consequences. I chose to right my wrongs to others because I was told it was part of the process. Fortunately, I did these things with a conscious evaluation and discernment of what's happening, of my thoughts and feelings and how other people reacted. As I experienced cognitive dissonance, I continued through the struggle. I paid close attention to what was going on within me and how these actions impacted my relationships. I owned the errors in my ways and made corrections. I witnessed the reactions from others and how it was good. In the beginning, there was a lot of doing without knowing. I had to choose to do things with uncertainty. I had to choose to do things that were counterintuitive. I had to choose to speak truth where it seemed everyone else would lie. 
I had to choose to be authentic when surrounded by many who seemed fake. I had to choose to be okay with others not accepting me as who I am. It's been my experience that staying with God's truth doesn't build a lot of relationships, but it does build relationships that feeds my soul. I have found it far more fulfilling to have a few relationships that are feeding my soul than many relationships that are dry and empty. Choosing to participate more with God's ways one day at a time has improved my life spiritually and materially. I choose to simply keep my mind focused on one thing. What does God want me to do today? How can I increase in God's spiritual good? Growing with God today is the best thing I can do. I can only control my choice for right now. Will I choose to seek God? Thank you for listening and God bless. Mm-hmm.